Hello and welcome to another episode of Involuntary. I'm your host, Ms. Diagnosed, and on this podcast we talk about my life growing up inside of America's locked door psychiatric institutions. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> really, thanks for being here. This is our third episode and uh, let's get right into it. Last episode, we left off with the nurse having given me a new medication, which was called Trilophon, a very strong antipsychotic medication, and then listing about 20 horrifying side effects that I needed to report to her immediately if I felt any of them. So needless to say, I was terrified. I sat down on the couch. I described how I felt like my body was melting or just gravity was taking me down into the into the ground and how time changed um things just seemed to really slow down and that's about where we left off so at this point I'm convinced I'm gonna die um so I sit myself right next to the nurse's station so that if anything does happen hopefully I could get medical help hopefully and um I sat there all the way until bedtime which I believe was like 10 o'clock and they made me go in my room to go to bed um on the way to my room I kept repeatedly asking the attendant if I was going to die they reassured me I wasn't but I was not so sure I was convinced I would never wake up in the morning so when I woke up rather refreshed um I was pleasantly surprised and happy I felt kind of normal again. I had slept off most of the effects of the medication, and I went on to have breakfast. Um, I was still eating on the unit at this point, and I forgot to mention in my other episodes, but we did do schoolwork during the day, but I kind of put that in quotation marks because even though we had school, we never really did anything. Like, I had brought, they had brought some of my books from home, up there um when i came i brought my books and teachers had sent over assignments but it was such a distracting environment and it wasn't school i mean it was a bunch of kids we were just we would just start playing around and joking around we were all working on different things it's not like a teacher who has your focus in the classroom it was just a circus and so i never ended up doing any of my work i was assigned i would try to do some of it and i just couldn't focus i don't know if it was the medications they had put me on or just the environment but i couldn't focus and i i had no motivation to do it i did not feel like doing my work i was just I don't know, it was like Lord of the Flies, but not really Lord of the Flies because, I mean, we were being supervised. But it was just kind of a whole different a whole different world, and school just didn't seem to fit into it. So, um, And I was getting kind of rambunctious by this time, comfortable with my surroundings, comfortable with the staff and the nurses. Bert didn't seem so scary anymore. He was actually pretty nice. And um, I was making friends on the unit with the other kids. There were also adults on the unit. It was a split unit with adolescents and adults, which I don't know if that was the best idea, but that's how they did it. And um, so I started kind of getting into trouble by this point. I am doing little pranks on each other, running around. You know, we had a lot of energy and we were trapped on this locked ward and it just was 
kind of a setup for kids to get themselves into trouble. Um, and I remember that I had been just really rambunctious, and that finally the the nurse um, the nurses were sick of it. They were just sick of it, so they put me on something called a room program. And a room program is where you spend like 30 minutes of your your day in the room and 30 minutes out, or whatever ratio they decide on. So my first room program, I believe, was 30-30. So I had to sit in my room for 30 minutes, and then I could come out for 30 minutes. When I was in my room, it was terribly boring. I did have my Walkman, my yellow Sony Walkman, and a few cassette tapes. But it's not like now where you have a, 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 a an, iP- an iPod, you know, with hundreds of apps and games on it. It was just nothing really to do in the room. So it was a it was like a punishment. I, it was meant to be a punishment, and it felt like one because it was very boring. And then I was allowed to come out for 30 minutes and be on the unit with the other kids. And if I didn't go back in my room, they said, again, we can do it the easy way or the hard way. And for a while, I chose the easy way for a while until one day I decided, you know what? I'm not going back in my room. It's terrible in there. It's boring. I have nothing to do but think about horrible things. And I'm not going back in the room. So I refused to go in the room. And I ended up learning what the hard way was. Introduce four-point restraints. Oh, uh, God. What can I say? I mean, they, the staff, the staff, they, they called more staff down to the unit, and they said, you have to go in your room, and I refused, and they grabbed me by my arms, and they took me to the, what was known as the quiet room, which I hadn't even noticed was there. It was there the whole time, but it was behind a door that had, like, a rug on the wall or something so you couldn't even see that it was there and they unlo- I guess I must have assumed it was a closet if I had noticed it so they put me in there and there's a windowless room it has a- another door that leads to the nurse's station so they can come in through there and then they lock the main door and they lock you in that room and so I'm freaking out right now i'm banging on the walls i've never been locked in a room like a jail cell before it was kind of like the first day on the unit but now i'm in this little room and i'm scared because what if they leave me in here forever and i die and turn into a skeleton and i'm still there and they don't find me for another hundred years and they're like oh that was too bad you know (laughs) this is what goes through my mind at the time so i'm banging on the walls and they just got they said um for your own safety, for your own safety, you're going into four-point restraints. I had no idea what they were talking about. Man, so they opened the door, and they wheeled they wheeled one of the hospital beds into the room. They grabbed me. They had these um, cuffs that they had on each corner. So they had uh, a cuff, like a leather wrist cuff on the top two corners of the bed and the bottom two corners. But I didn't see all that because I closed my eyes when they grabbed me. And they put me face down onto this bed. It had like no sheets or anything. They pulled all the sheets off. So it was just this plastic mattress because all the mattresses were covered in plastic. And my face is like stuck to it because I'm crying and sweating. And I have my eyes closed tight because I just don't want to see what's happening to me right now. And they 
ended up putting my wrists into these restraints and my ankles into the restraints and then they all just silently walked out. I kept my eyes closed for like another 10 minutes, not wanting to accept this reality. I was I was so scared. So when I finally opened my eyes, I peeked like I peeked out of my eye and I see that my wrist was like I was it was tied to the corner of the bed and I couldn't move. So my arms were spread out like in a V above my head and then my legs were like in a V and there I was stuck to the bed and I was like oh my goodness what I've really done it now this was a whole nother level of something that I didn't know even could possibly happen to a human I know that sounds kind of um probably ignorant but I really I I mean I just never been exposed to that. I'd never seen that happen on a movie or anything. And I was just, I was just, I didn't know what to do. So I was so in shock. I was so in shock that I just cried quietly to myself. And then about 30 minutes later, they came in. They asked me, are you, me, are you calm? And then they took one of my wrists out. And they're like, if you do good and behave, then we'll take another then we'll take one of your ankles out. And if you do good with that, then we'll take the other two out. So the whole process took about like an hour. And um, when they finally let me out, like I was, you didn't hear a peep out of me the rest of the night. I think I just took myself to my room and was like, okay, um, time to reevaluate my life. <laughs> um, I was really stunned and shocked and traumatized and just all the things. Um, so that was not, that was my very first experience with, um, them putting hands on me and being in, in a seclusion room and being in four point restraints all in the same night. And my whole world was just like cracked open. Like this is a whole nother side of the world that I've never seen before. And, um, I was just, I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. So um, I went to sleep, and the next day was a better day. I stayed out of trouble for a while. Um, I didn't want to repeat of that night. And so for the next few days, I tried to stay quiet and not draw any attention to myself. And um, one night, we were, we were we were having a movie night, I think, or something. They gave us popcorn for some reason. I remember it was even in those little popcorn-y popcorn um little containers you know that you eat the popcorn out of that says whatever it was like those decorative containers and they gave it to us and so the 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 adults really didn't care but the kids were excited and we were eating popcorn and kind of started throwing it around and then we noticed there was this old man on the unit he didn't really talk he always sat in the one couch chair that was actually soft like it it was really springy and really I mean, it was probably disgusting, but it was really comfortable. And he always sat in it. Like, he never let anybody else sit there. I guess he, he'd earned it at his age. But anyways, he used to fall asleep, and he had his head cocked back on the back of the couch, and his mouth was open wide, and he was snoring. And someone had the bright idea to try to throw popcorn and get it into his mouth from where we were sitting. I don't know who came up with this idea. I really don't want to say it was me because I don't think it was, but I did join in on the game. So we started throwing popcorn and it was like bouncing off of him and he would wake up a little bit and look around and we'd act like nothing was happening and then he'd close his eyes and go back to sleep. 
But then lo and behold, I threw a piece of popcorn with the perfect arc and it landed right in his mouth, like right down the center of his mouth and right, it just must have made his way right into his throat. He sat up choking. He he was like, (coughs) and I lost my mind. I was crying. I was was like, I'm a killer. I'm a killer. (laughs) I don't want to be a killer. No, please don't die. Don't choke. And I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be discovered if he did die. But then I knew I would never be able to take the guilt of having killed someone by accident. And what if the police did an autopsy and they discovered it was popcorn and then they questioned us and I just knew my guilt would come out. Either way, my guilt was going to come out. I was going to tell on myself and I was going to jail for the rest of my life. This was the end of my life right now. Right this moment was the end of my life. I was panicking and then he coughed up the popcorn. He must have choked for about like, I don't know, a good 30 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. And finally he took a deep breath and then he grabbed his big old cup of juice or whatever he had and took a sip and went back to sleep. Crisis averted. Lesson learned. To this day, to this very day, I will still never throw anything in anyone's mouth who is sleeping. I know that seems like a very specific thing anyways, but sometimes in in my recent years, people have said, oh, look at so-and-so. You should try to throw, throw a little piece of paper and see if you can get it in her mouth. And I'm like, no, let me tell you a little story. How about how I was almost a killer? Yep. I didn't mean it, but I almost was. And um, that's a lesson I learned to this day. It's funny the things you carry with you because I know it seems like, well, well, no one does that. Who does that? But it's just something I learned at that moment was to, I learned beyond throwing something in someone's mouth. I learned about thinking about the consequences of things before you do them. That was my lesson in that, that day. I had never really had a, an experience that made me think about consequences before that day. Um, that's my story, guys. That's all the time I got for today. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, please give me like a good review on whatever platform you listen because it will really help me to grow this podcast and it'll be, and it'll be great. So thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next episode. Okay. Bye.